This is the fourth of 16 sermons by Christopher Love on the topic of our effectual calling, our assurance. Text is 2 Peter 1 verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. In the prosecution of these words, the doctrine I drew from the first particular duty enjoined was this that Christians ought to put forth a great deal of diligence to make this sure to their souls that they are effectually called by Jesus Christ. In the handling of which I have gone over several particulars, I now come to lay down some propositions or conclusions about effectual calling, and I shall name twenty in all. First, ten sad conditions to all those men who are not effectually called. And secondly, ten consolatory conclusions to all those men that are effectually called by Jesus Christ. And mixing conclusions, procuring terror to the wicked, and such as procure comfort to the godly, one tempered with the other, may be good to both. I begin with the first. First sad conclusion I shall lay down is this, that there are many men in the world that are called outwardly by the word unto a profession of Christ that are not called effectually by the Spirit to a possession of Christ. My meaning is this, there are many men who have uh, have the word of God working much upon them to the changing of their lives, altering their course and new molding of them into an external profession and yet notwithstanding all this they never had saving grace wrought upon their hearts which is effectual calling many are called but few are chosen saith Christ in Matthew 20:16 and this is a dreadful conclusion to all you that are professors that have not a saving work upon your hearts to you that flock unto the ministry of the word and yet are not called thereby. Second, they that they who are called outwardly by the preaching of the word to a, a profession of Christ and yet not called inwardly by the Spirit. They shall endure greater damnation and greater torments in hell than those that never heard a word of Jesus Christ. Matthew 8:11. Many shall come, saith Christ, from the east and from the west, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And what then? But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into utter darkness, where shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now who are meant here by the children of the kingdom? Not those that have heaven prepared for them, but the professing Jews who are called the children of the kingdom because they enjoyed a greater and clearer and fuller measure of the things of God which showed them the way to the kingdom of heaven than other men did. And when Christ calls them the children of the kingdom, he calls the heathen the children of the world. Now, many of the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. If there be any more dismal place than another, it shall be for the children of the kingdom. Those that have been, as it were, nursed up under God's elbow by ordinances. The children of the kingdom, they shall have 
a more dismal portion and dismal room in hell than other men shall have that never enjoined, enjoyed the ordinances of Jesus Christ. And oh, what a sad word is this to you that live where ordinances do most abound, that you may be called the children of the kingdom, and yet you are to be thrust into outer darkness. Three, that there are many men who are only called outwardly into a bare profession that do harbor and nourish persuasions in their own hearts that they are effectually called by Jesus Christ when they never had any saving work of grace upon their hearts. This I spake of some weeks ago from John 8.41. The Jews had, a strong, had strong persuasions that they had Abraham for their father and when Christ beats them off from that, they went higher and said, We have God to our father. And yet, verse 44, Christ tells them they were of their father, the devil. And beloved, you may also be deceived in harboring strong persuasions that you are called effectually when you are only called outwardly. For that they are conceited in the opinion of their own goodness without seeing their want and necessity of Jesus Christ are of all sorts of people in the world most unlikely to be effectually called by Jesus Christ. This I urge from Matthew 9.13 I came not, saith Christ, to call the righteous, etc. Mark, who are they? That is, Christ came not to call the Pharisees who were righteous in their own eyes and who had a self-conceitedness that things went well with them and saw no need of a mediator and intercessor and redeemer, I came not to call the righteous. Jesus Christ excludes that sort of men from being called by him. Men that are self-opinionated and have a conceit of their own goodness without any need of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, all you that think you have a faith towards God ever since you were born that think you live honestly among your neighbors pay every man his due and therefore see no need of Christ all your days the Lord show you mercy you are more unlikely to be called than any men in the world Matthew 21.31 there is a parable of a man who had two sons he bid both work in the vineyard. One son said he would not work. He was obstinate. The other son said he would work, but did not. And so was worse than his word. Now these two sons, they are the emblem of two sorts of men within the pale of the church. Some are profane and obstinate men, and they answer as the first son and say they will not work. The second are professing men, men that make a good profession, but do not answer their profession in their practice. Now Mark, whether of these twain will the Father accept? They said unto him, the first, the most obstinate, that said he would not go, but went. Verily, saith Christ, so I say unto you, publicans and harlots shall go into heaven before you. Mark how Christ applies the parable from their own mouths. You that are Pharisees, that are righteous and honest in your own eyes, I will sooner call whores and harlots and the worst of men than I will call you publicans and harlots. 
publicans. They were the worst sort of men that were. They were sitting at the receipt of custom. They're calling, exposing them to a great deal of extortion and bribery. And yet these men should go to heaven before others that made a glorious profession of Jesus Christ. A fifth sad conclusion is this, that when others are effectually called before your faces and yet you remain uncalled, this should greatly aggravate your sin and condemnation. When I, I say you shall see others that live perhaps in the same house with you, that here the same congregation that sit in the same seat with you, when you shall hear these effectually called and you remain uncalled, this shall greatly increase your sin and damnation. Matthew 21.32 John came to you in the way of righteousness and you believed him not. That is, they were not called by the ministry. What then? But the publicans and harlots believed. What then? And you, when you had seen it, repented not afterwards that you might believe. Mark how Christ argues, he urges that those men that heard the same sermons that the other men did hear, they were converted, saith he. You see whores and harlots converted, alluding to Mary Magdalene and others. You see these, and yet you repent not, and yet you believe not. Now you see one, then another, and yet when you see this, you repent not that you might believe. Beloved, this is a sad conclusion to you that shall see others converted when you that happily lie in the same bed, sit at the same board, and hear the same sermons in the same congregation, yet they shall be converted and called and you not. This will greatly increase your sin and condemnation. Sixth, that whoever God intends effectually to call it is God's ordinary way to call them by the ministry of, the, of His Word. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. It is said there that they were called through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth to obtain eternal glory by Jesus Christ. They were called by belief of the truth, that is, by believing the Word preached and loving the Word preached. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is the first grace of a Christian's call, and that comes by hearing. Romans 10:17 and so Acts 26:17 and 18. When Christ would call and convert the Gentiles, he doth it not immediately, but he useth the ministry of Paul. Go thou, teach the Gentiles, and bring them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. God doth it still by the preaching of his word. Now this is a sad word to three sorts of men. First, it is a sad word to them that never sat under the powerful preaching of the word. They are out of God's ordinary way of being saved. Second, it is a sad word to those that may enjoy the word and yet slight it. They also are not likely to be called. Third, it is a sad word to those that leave the ordinary way of God's calling by the preaching of the word and trust to raptures, revelations, inspirations, and extraordinary means for God to call them by. Alas, they also are out of God's ordinary way of calling, for God ordinarily takes this way to call a soul by the preaching of his word. Luke 15, 22. 
when the prodigal was effectually called home to his father, his father did not presently comfort him himself, but he sends his servants and said, Go, take the best robe and put it upon my son. This son is a sinner. The father is God Almighty. The servants are the ministers. Now God doth not his work by himself, but he leaves it to his ministers, and they shall put on the ring and the garment They shall be the instruments by the ministry of the word to work grace in the heart. Hence it is that 1 Corinthians 1.12 Some are blamed that should say I am of Paul and I of Apollo and I of Christ. Why? Are men blamed for saying they are for Christ? Is that blameworthy? To cry up Christ? No. No. The fault is not simply in advancing Christ, but the fault was this. So to cry up Christ as to cry down duties and cry down the use of ministers and the use of ordinances, and therein they were to blame, because Christ would not immediately, by revelations and raptures, call any, but leaves the conversion and call of a sinner to the ordinary way of preaching the word, and therefore a sad word it is to all out of God's way of calling that either have not the word, or if they have it, never care to enjoy it. Seven, that if men continue long under the enjoyment of the word and are not effectually called by it, they are likely never to be called. I would commend to you that place to prove, it, prove this in Luke 13, 6 and 7, where Christ tells you of a fig tree. He stayed three years looking for fruit, and he found none. The husband then prayed to spare it one year longer. And if it did not bear fruit then, he should cut it down and cast it into the fire. Now this fig tree were the professing Jews who lay some competent time under the ministry of Christ and of his apostles. And this fig tree, if it were spared but one year and brought not forth fruit, then it should be cut down. And Christ did so. It seems he cursed it and said, Never fruit grow more upon this tree. Now, you would ask what the meaning of all this is. Why, beloved, a fig tree, if it beareth not fruit within four years after it is planted, it is likely never to bring forth fruit. And here the parable comes home thus far that if after some competency of time in which in all likelihood men may have some sparks wrought in them by the ministry of the word if after all this they are not converted the curse of the fig tree is like to fall upon that man's heart never let the word do that man good anymore and never let grace grow in that man's heart anymore let never fruit grow more upon that tree this the parable holds forth that if you live under the enjoyment of the word long and are not converted it is an argument you shall not be called and this is a heart cutting consideration to all ancient men that have outlived many ministers and have seen their ministers laid in the grave their ministers have spent their strength and wasted their lungs in preaching to them and yet they are as profane as ever and as loose as ever And as regardless of God and grace as ever, (coughs) truly you are in a very sad case if this be 
If it be thus with you, you are likely never to be called by Jesus Christ. Eighth, that God in the dispensations of his grace doth not ordinarily let effectual calling run to the richer sort of men in the world, but rather to the poorest sorts and ranks of men that are. I remember that Austin in one of his books hath this saying, Unlearned men, they snatch away heaven from us that are great scholars. And truly, as it was in his time, so it is now. Men are men that are great scholars that understand scripture, no languages, they are turned into hell. When unlearned at poor men, they get to heaven. God hath chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. In all the dispensations of his grace, though he calls some rich men, it is true, to carry on the work and countenance his people, yet God's effectual calling doth not so commonly come among rich men as the poor of the world. The poor, saith Christ, receive the gospel. The learned scribes and doctors among the Jews and the rich Pharisees, they did all spurn at Jesus Christ. When the poor and ignorant people that knew not the law, they followed him. 1 Corinthians 1.26 Not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty are called, but God hath chosen the poor things of this world and things that are despised, yea, and things that are not, to bring to naught things that are. Here you see uh, plainly this condition, uh, conclusion proved that God's effectual calling doth not ordinarily and commonly run among the greater sort of men in the world, but it runs among the poorer sort of men. They ordinarily give best entertainment to the gospel. And the reason of this is first to magnify the riches of his grace. If Christ should call rich men only and chiefly, men would, uh, many would think it was only men's riches and men's honor did move Christ to call them. Now Christ, to vindicate and magnify his grace, he will call poor, despicable wretches that one would think there should be nothing in the eye of reason or sense why God should cast an eye of favor upon them. Second, to magnify and manifest his power that he will preserve a company of poor, contemptible people among so many enemies, so potent and so wealthy that they shall never be able to overthrow them. Third, because rich men lie under more temptations against the effectual calling than poor men do. Rich men think, should I be called to be a professor, I may lose my riches, endanger my estate, and eclipse my honor. These are great temptations to rich men to hinder their calling. Therefore you read Mark 10.22 of the young man that when Christ called him, it is said he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He would not follow Christ who had not a house wherein to put his head. Many men, for fear of losing their estates, they lie under this sore temptation to hinder them from being called. And then also for their honor, men may think that they shall eclipse their honor should they profess a course of religion. In Galatians 2.2, 2, I preached publicly among the ordinary sort, saith Paul, but I preached privately to men of reputation, lest I should run in vain. As much as if he should say men of quality and of repute, they would not own Christ publicly. They were afraid they should lose their honor and credit. Therefore, Paul was enforced to indulge them so far as to preach privately to them. Hence Nicodemus, 
a great man, came to Jesus by night. Ninth, if you are only externally called to a profession of Christ and not called internally to a profession of Him, at one time or another, before you die, God will discover the hypocrisy of your hearts and uh, the unsoundness of your call. There are many men who are now called. A man cannot discern whether they be effectually called or no. But in likelihood, before you die, you will discover somewhat or other that may give just ground of suspicion you are not savingly called, either by falling into some error in judgment or running into some scandalous sin or the like. Lastly, if God hath not or intends not effectually to call thee, then thou mayest take this for an undeniable truth. God neither intends to justify thee nor to save thee. Whom he calls, them he justifies, and none else. And whom he justifies, them he glorifies, and none else. So that justification and glorification depend upon calling. Romans 8.30 And thus I have done with these ten sad conclusions. I shall now change my discourse and turn my speech to a second sort of men, and to them I shall lay down ten consolatory conclusions for the comfort of you that are the called of Jesus Christ. And here, before I lay these down, I shall first show you what need there is that ministers should preach comfortably to you that are effectually called. Because first, after you are called effectually, you are more exposed to meet with persecutions from men. Secondly, temptations from the devil. Thirdly, the stronger strugglings of temptations from within than ever you were before. Therefore, you had need of comfort. First, I say, after calling, you are more exposed to meet with persecutions from men than ever you were before. Hebrews 10.32 Call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a, a sore fight of affliction, partly by being reproached and made a gazing stock, etc. They endured nothing before, but after they were enlightened, they endured a great fight of affliction. Had not you therefore need of comfort? And second, after calling, you are more exposed to temptations from the devil than ever you were before. The devil, when he finds all things at peace, he lets men alone. But when he finds a man coming out of his clutches to be called, then Satan troubles and assaults him. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 10. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. These were they that the God of grace hath called to eternal glory. Yet these were they that the devil rages so against. Had not you therefore need of comfort, because you are exposed to more temptations from the devil? And third, you are to meet with more strong and vigorous workings of inward corruptions in your own hearts. As Paul, before his calling, was not troubled with his, with his own corruptions, Sin never troubled him. The powerful and vigorous workings of his lust never wearied him. But when the command came, then sin revived. When the power of the word came with authority upon his conscience, then he saw sin to revive and get strength upon him. Beloved, I would appeal to any of you whom God hath called to grace and glory 
whether before you were called you ever found sin so strong as after and ever found the workings of your inward corruptions so violent as after and therefore upon these three grounds you have need that comfort should be preached unto you I now pass to the conclusions which I shall lay down for the comfort of all them that are effectually called first that Jesus Christ doth effectually call a poor sinner before that sinner doth look after Jesus Christ should God entail heaven upon this condition that you had been first in the transgression should be first in seeking reconciliation we should never have the difference ended betwixt God and us but behold here is mercy and here is a ground of comfort that though we are the first in the transgression Christ is the first in suing out reconciliation Jesus Christ doth effectually call poor sinners before they either call or look after Jesus Christ at all Isaiah 65 1 I am sought of them that asked not for me I am found of them that sought me not I said behold me behold me to a nation that was not called by my name here you see Jesus Christ go, go our, out first to call thee before thou goest out to call him and oh what comfort is this Christ doth not stay till thou look after a Christ but Christ casts an eye upon thee before thou look after him we read of Matthew the publican that while he was looking after his money at the receipt of custom at the time Jesus Christ was looking after his soul we read of the disciples of Christ whilst they were mending their nets and looking after the fish Jesus Christ takes this occasion with the hook of the gospel to catch them we read of Paul that whilst he was breathing out persecutions against the church of God and raging with a malice against the saints of God at that time he was even called to be a saint so that this is very comfortable God doth first look after a sinner in his effectual calling before a sinner looks out after Christ God doth first look after thee enlightening thee by a sermon and seizing upon thy conscience by a command before thou look after him second that Jesus Christ hath effectually called thee when he hath left many thousands in the world of better parts and better dispositions more natural good and less evil in them than thou hast in thyself and yet he hath rejected them and called thee Jesus Christ hath many times rejected a patient heathen when he hath called thee who art of a rigid and passionate disposition. Jesus Christ hath left many a curious wit and pregnant scholar and many of singular parts that had they grace to manage them they might bring God much glory. And it may be he hath called thee a poor, ignorant, sottish creature Jesus Christ it may be hath rejected many that have had less sin than thou hast in thee Jesus Christ did reject many an honest heathen when he would call Mary Magdalene that had seven devils in her Christ rejected Simon Magus and rejected Agrippa 
a half-turned Christian, and rejected Herod, who heard John the Baptist gladly. He rejected Felix, that trembled at a sermon. Rejected Ahab, that humbled his soul before God, when it may be he hath called thee, that never had such workings in thy heart as these men had. And oh, what ground of comfort is here. Third, God, in calling thy soul and bringing thee to a state of grace, he doth it freely for his own namesake. When there was nothing in thee to move him to call thee, when there was much in thee to provoke him never to call thee, yet his own grace compelled him, and his own mercy engaged him to call thee. First <clears throat> Timothy 2.9 We are called according to the purpose of his own grace, not according to our own works. For that they who are the most sensible of their own vileness and see the most want and necessity of Jesus Christ, they of all people are most likely to be called by him. When Christ rejects civil, honest men and self-conceited men and morally good men, and they are no way likely to be called. Yet those men that are sensible of their wickedness see their want of Jesus Christ, they are of all men most likely to be called. Matthew 9.13 I came not to call the righteous, but whom? But sinners to repentance. All men are sinners, but he means such as see their sin and see their need of Christ to pardon and subdue sin in them. For so the words import, the whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. They that are sick of sin and see their infirmities, they are most likely to be called by Jesus Christ. Therefore this is most comfortable to you, all you that are drooping Christians, that hang down your heads under the sense of sin, that see sin to be exceeding sinful. This is the end for which Christ came into the world to call you to glory. Five, that a man may be elected by God from all eternity and yet he may live a long time in a course of sin before he call him and yet before he dies he shall be called. John 10.16 I lay down my life for my sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold under one shepherd. The meaning is this Christ told them his converted ones were his sheep and these are not all but I have others that are not converted yet I will convert them and bring them to the same fold also so that Christ hath his sheep amongst you that are not yet converted and called and though many times you may go a long time in a course of sin yet before you die you shall be effectually called and brought home to the sheepfold of Jesus Christ Six, a man may be effectually called when his own apprehension, in his own apprehension he cannot find any real and sound evidence of his vocation. This is that phrase in Peter, which imports in 2 Peter 1.11, Whoso doth not these things is blind and cannot see afar off. It is spoken of a godly man, of a man that hath his election sure, but doth not add grace to grace to make his calling sure. 
that man is purblind and he cannot see afar off. That is, cannot see as far as heaven, that his name is written there, cannot have a clear and strong comfort of his belonging to God. Many a godly man may be effectually called, and yet that man, a purblind man, not able to behold as with open face the evidence of his effectual calling. Seven, a man may have a grounded assurance that he is effectually called, and yet, and yet neither know the time when, nor the manner how, nor the instrument by whom he was called. This is a very comfortable conclusion. There are some that press conversion so high that if a man cannot tell the time when, or the manner how, or the sermon by which he was called, they say he is not yet converted. This is too rigid a doctrine. And the scripture makes more for the confirmation of this that a man may have a grounded assurance of his effectual calling when he neither knows the time nor the manner nor the instrument by which he was called. Mark 4.24 And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up and grow, he knows not how. The seed here sown is the work of grace for so is the kingdom of God, saith Christ. And here this seed springs up. The man cannot tell. Happily the day he sowed it, nor how he scattered it, yet this seed springs up, he knows not how. So a man may have the seed of grace sown in his heart, which is effectual calling, and yet it grows up, he knows not how, nor when he was called. And so in John 9, I only allude to it, 19 and 20, is spoken there of a man that was healed by Jesus Christ, the blind son that had his eyes opened by Jesus Christ. And what say his parents? We know this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth we know not, nor who opened his eyes. Beloved, so I may say of a poor sinner, a poor sinner is like this blind son. We know we are born blind neither knowing God nor ourselves. We know if we are converted, we now see. But how this was done, or by whom this was done, man cannot so exactly determine. But now this conclusion does not hold true in all causes. If a man have been a profane liver, then it is impossible in an ordinary way that that man should be effectually called, but he must know the time when he was called. But for others that from their childhood have been brought up in a godly family, from their childhood to their dying day did never break out into any scandalous sin, these men cannot give an account either when or by whom they were called, and yet their calling may be effectual, and therefore that is too rigid a doctrine to press such high qualifications before conversion. For God hath different ways and degrees of working, though all are not obvious to our eye. Eighth, that they who are called by Christ, they shall be kept by Christ. That they do not fall from their call, but be brought to the state of glory. And that is another comfortable conclusion. You are not called by Christ and so left to yourselves in the wide world as Adam was. Adam was called by God into a state of blessedness, but he was left to stand by his own strength. But you are not so. You are not only called by Christ, but you are kept by Christ, that you shall not fall from grace, 
being once called to it. Jude verse 1, Jude the servant of Christ, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Christ and called. Here then is your comfort, that you are not called by Christ and left to yourselves, but you are preserved by Christ and called and kept in a state of grace till you shall come to glory. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he that called you who also will do it. That is, bring you to that glory which you are called into. And ninth, when Christ hath an intent to call a poor sinner, neither their poverty nor their impiety shall hinder the call of Jesus Christ. Not your poverty. God hath chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of a kingdom. James 2. Not your impiety. Poor Christians think, oh, I am so vile and so sinful and profane that I fear Christ will not call me. Why, this shall not hinder Mary Magdalene, a harlot, possessed with seven devils and yet called. Manasseh, a bloodsucker that made the streets of Jerusalem run down with blood and yet called. Paul, a persecutor, a blasphemer, man mad with rage against the church of God, yet he obtained mercy. And why? That he might be an example to them that after should be called. So that here is your comfort. When Jesus Christ hath an intent to call you, neither your poverty nor your impiety shall withstand his call, nor turn the thoughts of his mercy from you. And tenth, that no man can pry into the decrees of God about election and reprobation. Yet, if you can make good your effectual vocation, you may be sure of your election and of your glorification. Though no man, I say, can enter into the bosom of God to know his secret decrees, yet if you can find upon good and scriptural grounds that you are effectually called, you may be sure you are eternally elected and shall hereafter live in glory. Romans 8.28, Whom he predestinates, them he calls. Whom he calls, them he justifies. Whom he justifies, them he will glorify. And therefore, comfort your hearts in these consolatory conclusions about effectual calling. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, 
Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.